Hey everyone, thank you for joining me for the Modern Heathen Man. This is Joe, and today is Thor's Day, or Thor's Dogger. Sitting here with my wife today, and we're going to start talking about some modern heathenry. I want to talk today about preparing for a ritual. Um, we've done the bloats for each day for the gods. We didn't talk much about preparing for that ritual, like what goes on in your mind, um, what you should be doing, how you should be preparing for the ritual, how you should set up your altar, and all that stuff. Um, so when we come back, we're going to discuss that and discuss a little bit about how we prepare for our rituals at our house, how we prepare for our rituals at other people's houses, um, and how we prepare the altar for that. Also, we're going to talk a little bit about cleaning the altar and cleaning our altar pieces um, to let everybody know that there is a way to do that, um, recharge them and clean them and get them ready for use. So when we come back, we will discuss that, and we'll discuss each of our ways of doing so, because I know that we each have different ways of preparing our altars and getting our altars ready for um, rites and rituals. So give us a few moments. We'll be back. And we'll join you and we'll talk about that today on Modern Heathen Man. So grab yourself a cup, grab yourself a chalice, grab yourself a horn, fill it with your favorite mead, coffee, or cider, or even just water. And sit back, relax, and join us today. Thanks. I'll see you in a moment. Joe here from the Modern Heathen Man. How are you guys tonight? I hope I'm meeting you well. Anyway, I wanted to tell you guys, while I'm out traveling, it's not always feasible to carry my whole big altar box with me. So sometimes I like a little something in my pocket. And I found a great place to get that from. That's Odin's Beard Woodworking. Great little place out there. It makes small little pocket altars for you with candles and um, gods and everything in them, little sayings and such wonderful work that this man does carves everything by hand he has a couple things going on here he has little pocket altars that i'm talking about for 25 dollars. he has small d poles of five to six inches for 40 dollars seven to eight inches for 45 9 to 10 for 50 and 11 to 12 for 60. he has 26 different deities to choose from and more coming every day your choices right now are odin thor Tyr, loki Freyr. Balder, Braggy, Hemdal, Njord, Fenrir, Ullr, Vidar, Hermod, Hel, Freya, Ostri, Skadi, Sif, Er, Frigg, Var, Thrud, Idun, Sigun, Ran, and Yord. That's a lot of different gods to choose from. So he can meet anybody's needs. Tell him what you want. You can go ahead and find him at www.odinsbeard.com woodworking.com he also has a facebook page and i know he does some stuff live every once in a while that you can actually watch him carve those things anyway give him a good uh, look see there and see if he has something that you can use i guarantee his little pocket ultras will come in handy for you so anyway thanks guys have a great night bye bye And welcome back to the Modern Healing Man. I'm here with my wife Kelly today. How are you guys today? And we're going to talk about preparing for rituals. Um, a couple different ways we prepare for rituals, a couple different types of rituals we have. 
um, so on and so forth. So we'll talk a little bit about altars and altar preparation and altar cleansing and all that other good stuff that goes along with preparing for ritual and using an altar. Um, there is a couple different types of altars, as we all know. There's the in-the-home altar, which is the one that's prominently placed. Yeah, we have several of those, right. actually. There's a private altar, which you have like in your bedroom or your private space that you want to have. There's your outdoor altar, you know, and then, then there's your ceremonial altar that you have in a place where you meet all the time. Um, there's personal altars and there's group altars, and in that I mean that there's an altar just for you and your family, and then there's an altar where you have, like if you do rituals at your home, we usually set that one up specifically on that day. We don't have it out all the time, so... So let's talk about altars, first of all. I mean, I, I touched them and what you want in your altar. You definitely want a horn of some type or a chalice of some type. You want an offering bowl or an offering plate or something to put your offering into that you're going to give. Um, bare minimums. I mean, you want an effigy of the actual deity that you're um, venerating or something or represents them. So, like, if it's Iduna and you don't have a picture of her, you could throw an apple on there. Yeah, yeah, we have wooden apples on our altar yeah. for her. So. Yeah. Um, you want a cloth to cover it of some type. This way you keep it the way it's supposed to be, nice and neat and everything. Um, for us, we want a hammer on there because that's how we hallow the hall. Um, and did I forget anything? A candle. A candle, yes. Candle or incense. Or both. Or both, depending on what you do for cleansing the area and you know the flame that brings everybody in. And maybe a little bell. You don't have to. I like a little bell on my altar um, just to ring and let everybody know I'm done. So with that said, I mean, the basic altar is just your horn, chalice of some type, bowl for offerings, all plate for offerings, your candle, your incense, and um, your representation of the God that you're worshiping. Now, there's a lot of other things you could put on your altar. Um, I have extra horns for sounding. I have, uh, oh, and a hammer. I forgot the hammer. It's the basic thing. Um, I have an afme on there, which is a knife that's sitting on its little thing. Um, With a bone. Yours has a bone handle or yeah, a hammer handle. Yeah, a handle, handle on it. Which yeah. is really cool. So, um, and. Yeah, your altar's pretty big. Well, your main altar out in, the, you know, in our living room area is pretty yeah. basic. And right. then I have two altars in the house. Yeah. <laughs> I have an altar in the shed too, so and I have the backyard altar too. So. Um, I have an altar to Freya out in our living room area, um, and that has little things, more nature-based things in it. I have like a little picture that I made that has representations of Freya on it, where she's spinning the clouds, and she's got a cat with her, and a goose in the clouds, and an owl, you know, things that represent her to me, and then. Um, it's a little, it's a nice little case. It's a little wooden case that we got somewhere and it's got glass on it on the front. So I've got a little beeswax candle in there. I've got, um, a little tiny offering bowl that I made in there. Um, some turtle shells just cause they're cool. that kind of go with everything. Um, I have that little shooting star wand in there. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. And the wand that made you at the antler. That's in here. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's, yeah, that is out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've got like a few things on that one, and then I've got one in the bedroom that's my main altar. And Which is always a mess. It, it is a mess. It's cluttered. But a lot of the stuff that's cluttered on there and, and are things that 
mean something to me on my journey. So there's things like water from the Atlantic Ocean when we went when I was pregnant yeah. with Kiernan and um, Great Salt Lake water. Great Salt Lake water. If you know, we live in the Salt Lake area. I've got candles and incense and um, I've got cats. The homes and rocks. Homes and rocks and pine cones and shells and I've got butterflies on like uh, mounted on there and pictures of the moon and things that, that are important to me and my journey and things like that. So my altar represents my journey through becoming who I am today more than anything else. Yeah. So like I said, those are our altars in our house, and that's how we begin to set up our altars. Now, there is uh, I clean my altar four times a year. And by cleaning my altar, it means I strip it totally of everything, wipe it down, and then the actual pieces that are in there on the solstices, both of them, I go ahead and I place my stuff outside so that the sun can, you know, hit them and the new sun and the new year, and every time we're changing position i go ahead and put those out and then on the equinox yeah i put them out at night that the moon can hit them so i can get the power of the sun and the power of the moon to do my stuff that i need to do and um there's some water out there on there from both of those that i keep in my little vials and stuff and um, different things like that just for cleansing of the actual stuff. I also have salt water I use to cleanse stuff. Obviously, I'm not going to cleanse my hammer because it's steel, so I won't right. get salt water, but I will get oil. So I have a frankincense and myrrh oil that I'll rub on that and it, clean it up. Inside of a carrier oil. Yeah, inside of a carrier oil. Yeah. use olive oil because it's pure. Yep. So I'll go ahead and clean my, my metal stuff up with that. I'll wipe everything down, clean the windows and stuff on the glass piece that I have that's open for it and go ahead and um, clean everything that way. Um, there is ceremonies, you know, I can ask the housewives to help me clean it. Um, with a ceremony, I can ask the gods to help me cleanse it right. um, and keep it from this, that, and the other thing. So I, I do have ways of doing that. Um, and that's basically how I keep that clean specifically. Um, those times of the year, I close my altar for all the different things that are going on, and I usually have another altar to do stuff at while that's cleansing or while that's doing its thing, so I don't miss out on veneration. So that's why I have a couple of different altars to choose from. Well, and I think one of the things you should always consider about your altar is what you're going to use for an actual surface for an altar. Right. So my when we bought, when we moved into this house, we locked out kind of because. Um, in our bedroom, there was a built-in space for my altar. There's like a countertop on the one side of the bedroom that was perfect for me for my altar space. <clears throat> for Joe's altar space, um, for his altar that he has out in our living room area, we were lucky enough to find thrift store finds. Yeah, a computer desk a, um, that was on wheels yeah. that I was able to transform in my altar. And then I've added pieces onto it through the year. Yeah. But it's... it's the furniture or the table or the setup that you use doesn't have to be anything extravagant or fancy or, you know, something that you make specifically for or buy specifically for yeah. the altar piece. Well, yeah, because, like, our ceremonial altar is just one of the fold-out tables from Walmart that's made, like, the Everlast tables that folds out. We put a cloth on top of it. 
we put all of our stuff on there like we're going to use right. with the mead and stuff. And that's our main altar for all of our ceremonies. Now, as long as you consecrate it for whatever yeah. you're going to use it for. Exactly. But it can be anything. So, like, my first altar, when I first started doing this, my first altar was an old microwave cart that I had found in the trash. Mm-hmm. And repainted and redid for what I wanted to use it for. And it was great because it had little cabinets underneath. I actually want to look for another for one of those for when we do move. Because um, I had cabinets underneath. Mm-hmm. I had a space on top. I had a main altarpiece in the middle. And it was perfect. Right. One of the things I like about Midgard Musings is Jesse makes these little boxes that have the hinges. Yes. You know, and if you mix the guys together that I have, if you mix Midgard Musings, uh, Odin's Beard Woodworking, and... Um, uh, what's the other one? Uh, these curiosities. curiosities together, you will have a little effigy and the candle that you need, the small box that becomes your altar, all the pieces inside there from each of those, and then the oils to cleanse everything from them. Right. Um, right. With a few additives to a small box like that, like a box from uh, Michael's or whatever that he makes, you can have a perfect little traveling altar. You can have it in your car, make three or four of them to take around with you, put them in a drawer in your house. Right. If you're, if you're one of those people who can't be out of the um, broom closet, closet, if you will, the yeah. Viking closet, the Viking closet, right? right. Um, you can do that and put it in your drawer, and nobody is any the wiser to what it is. Right. Um, it's your personal altar. You can bring it out as you need, do what you need to do with it, and then put it right back. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about um, Pre- altars, actual and preparation, actual for- preparation for rituals and preparing rituals and stuff like that. So um, I look forward to discussing that with you, um, and I'll be right back. Hey guys, Joe here from Modern Heathen Man. I wanted to tell you about this great new place that I found. It's a really safe place for heathens of all walks. Um, it's called the International Satru Foundation. They have their own social network platform called the Roots of Yggdrasil. And the International Satru Foundation is an organization that is dedicated to the preservation, growth, and advancement of Germanic paganism. They build networks, share knowledge, and gather in pursuit of common goals. As an organization, they operate at the kindred level and encourage you to explore and ask questions throughout that time frame. Their vision is easy. It's heathens from every walk of life working together for a common goal, the reveal and continued practice of Germanic paganism for everyone worldwide. The things that they're doing are really exciting. They strive to help you understand heathenry better and the different paths of heathenry and Germanic paganism. They educate the public about the faith, they gather to share knowledge, build reputable resources for learning, and work towards common goals set by the community itself. They're working on starting a whole school program to make very good educated Gothi, and working on a program specifically for our warriors. Everyone is free to walk their paths as he or she wills, but I'm telling you, this is the greatest place to go. It's a safe haven for heathens. If you're tired of all that Facebook banter and getting banned and going to Facebook jail all the time, they have their own social media network where you're safe to talk about heathenry all day long with other heathens. They're really specific on who they let in there, and it's only heathens talking with heathens. That's all there is to it. So go ahead and check it out. Their address is asatru.org with the real spelling with the hashtags above the A and the U. So make sure to go ahead and check them out, and uh, 
hopefully we'll see you join there, the International Satya Foundation. Thanks, guys. Hey, everyone. We are back, and I want to thank you for joining us. So we're going to talk a little bit about um, preparation for a ritual and how to prepare a ritual. So I want to talk first about preparing your ritual. Um, there are quite a few different rituals available um, for you to go ahead and, you know, just copy, if you will. Um, but there are those that you want to prepare yourself. Um, what I want to say is, Everybody has their own way of doing bloats, and everybody has their own way of doing rituals and things of that nature. Um, there's not a specific right way. Um, there's not a specific wrong way, but there are things you don't want to do, and there are things you do want to do. Okay? So let's first talk about the things you do want to do. Okay? You definitely want to venerate, and you want to remember the names of the gods and stuff like that. You want to come up with your own bloats specifically, because you don't want to always copy the same ones over and over again, because you want something that comes from yourself. You want to make it a, I want to say you want to make it a gift for the god or the ancestor that you're venerating, and in making it for a gift, if you remember, you know, when you were in elementary school, how... You made that nasty, beat-up clay ashtray for your mom who didn't smoke. And it was right. still the greatest thing in the world because you made it, you know. And that's the way the gods look at us when we prepare our rituals and our bloats um, and our symbols because we want to make it for them and we want it to be from us. And even if you stumble through it and it's the worst ashtray out oh of clay you've goodness. ever made, you can go ahead and still make it and it's still beautiful to them. Yeah, we've stumbled through and we've like made mistakes and, and all that. But you know, I, I think part of going along with preparing for a ritual, if you're going to, you know, meditation. No, I'm talking um, mainly. I will talk about that in okay. a moment. But I'm talking mainly about the actual. Yeah, do some research. You know, look at some what other people have done. I mean, use it as a guideline. Right. That's kind of what we do with our kindred. Is we look at what. Other other groups have done, other people have done. We look at YouTube, we look on Facebook, we look on um, different Asatru websites, and we see kind of what a basic bloat is, or what the basic bloat, or what their version of the bloat for a certain um, ceremony or a certain season is. We take that and make it our own. Right. So, you know, let's talk about, you know, actual preparation for the bloat, first of all. So, you know, the, the things you're going to need to know, the basics of a bloat are, you know, the, the terms we're using. And I know, you know, a lot of people are brand new to Asatra, or brand new to the heathenry, and some of the things I say they may not understand. So we'll go through them. We'll give some definitions real quick here first. So first is the hallowing. I always talk about the hallow. You got to hallow the hall and make it, you know, ready for the ritual. All I'm saying is you're making that space holy and set apart for that ritual, for that time, um, to make the area respectful to the gods at that point, um, to 
set it aside for that use for that time frame. Um, then we talk about the holy powers. We talk about the Aesir, the Vanir, the Vitar, the Lanvitar, the Ancestors, the All Four, and so on and so forth. So, you know, Vetir are just spirits. That's all we're talking about. Different spirits that inhabit the world. Um, we're not a nature worshiping um, type of path in the sense that, you know, we don't worship the tree itself. We don't right. venerate the tree, but we do understand that a tree has a spirit that can impart knowledge to us, you know, and that it's part of our world and that as part of our world, we are dependent on it for one thing and it's depending on us for another. You know, it gives off oxygen and takes in carbon dioxide. Without the tree, we couldn't breathe, but without us, it couldn't breathe. So we're dependent upon each other and we understand that relationship we have with those things. And that's that's why we call it like the Vitar or the Vitar. They're spirits that we do. The Ulfur are the elves, you know, that are around us. We believe in elves yeah. and whites and things like that. The little people of the forest, if you will. Um, that goes all the way back to like Native American beliefs and even, you know, the Irish belief of the leprechaun and so on and so forth. These are the little people of the forest that live there. Um, the Galder is a chanting of the names of the elder from Tharp. So if we do things like, um, you know, Fei-U. Fei-U. You know, and we go along the the chanting of the name of the Futhark runes as we go through the different things that we do, that's what we're talking about. And the Futhark are, of course, the runic alphabet that we talk about. Um, and then, of course, the different gods we have with Thor, we have Odin, we have Yord, um, and then um, the altar, which is the Harrow, H-A-R-R-O-W, which is the actual altar. So for setup, you know, like I said before, you need a hammer, a blessing bowl, the actual table you're going to use or the harrow, a knife if you need to, a sprig or a branch. A lot of um, things call for an evergreen sprig or an evergreen branch. The offering you're going to make, either be alcohol or whatever you're going to offer, um, and a horn or a chalice to do it, and the offering bowl. So the first part of any bloat is, of course, the hallowing. You want to, again, set that area apart for that purpose. Um, you want to, you know, the hammer ritual is pretty simple. It's not that hard to do. Um, you take the hammer, you make the side of a hammer, which is an inverted T. Um, in every direction, you start north, east, um, south, west, above, below. And you, you make that place what you want. The way you say it is the way you choose to say it. I just say, like, hammer to the north, hold and hallow this holy stead. Hammer to the east, hold and hallow this holy stead, and I keep on going through all the directions that I want to go to. There's more to it. People can add other things to it, you know. Hold and keep this place holy, that it be set apart for the ancestors, the gods, and all those that meet here this day and every day, and you keep on going, you know. So um, once the space is hallowed, um, you asked one of the gods if you want to banish all evil from the area, and you ask all unwanted entities that they leave and not come back until that rite is finished. And now you can offer the people to come into the place. So you can do like an example, like Thor, Son of Odin, and Yord. I invoke you in all your names. May you bear witness to our celebration this day in our honor. 
May your presence be felt. May your partake and celebrate with us. Hail. So you're going to invite the people in. You're going to invite the gods in. You're going to invite those that you're venerating into that area. So that is the um, hallowing. Then you have the reading. Um, now, I, I don't do a reading much, but I do talk about the what we're there for. Right. So I kind of do do a reading. So like, I'll say, you know, like, we'll talk a little bit about the ancestors and like, you know, we're celebrating this time right now. And this is what it meant to the ancestors. And this was what was going on in their lives at this time. They were preparing for blank or they were looking at blank or they were celebrating blank. Right. You know, and this is why we celebrate today. So, you know, we make sure that we understand not only what the actual celebration is, but why we're celebrating. So, like, um, you know, midsummer is always a good time. You know, midsummer for our ancestors is that point where they are midway through, they have figured out their um, crops, they know that they now have enough. Um, to make it through the winter, hopefully. Um, so they give a celebration to that day, which is now the longest day, and the beginning of the time where the light will begin to wane. And they know that the darkness is coming, but it's not there just yet. And the celebration is that they now have enough to put in the storehouses, and they've prepared everything they need before the storehouses. So right. that's what we talk about. That's what we celebrate. Okay. Then we have the call, which is the purpose for um being there so we'll say things like after we um talk about the the reading we'll say something like so we're here today to honor our ancestors and our gods for the abundance that they provide to us that they help you know grow these great things that we won't go hungry when the great darkness comes you know so we're going to call upon our ancestors to venerate them and to venerate the gods that have helped us do this and we keep on going. So that's the call. Then the read, um, the declaration of actual purpose. So we're here to honor and sacrifice today, to honor them, to bring them honor, to have them join us in doing so. So we're here today to give honor to the Aesir and Vanner, to the gods and goddesses, to my folk for the many gifts that they have bestowed upon me. I ask that they continue to bestow their gifts upon me. So, you know, it, it's just most of it. So from the Halloween, we have the procedure, the reading, the call, and the read. Or basically, you can put those all together and make it one thing. Yeah, that's usually what we end up doing yeah. because we try to keep ours right. fairly short. Yeah, we do. So you have the loading and the drinking after it. The loading is, of course, when you actually load the the horn with the mean. You say, we give you this drink blended with the might, main, and my deeds. Take well our gift, but not as from a thrall, for we have no master, but as from free men, as a sign of our kinship and fellowship. We ask that you imbue this drink with your gifts and blessings. Hail. And then you all hail that God at the same time. And then the drinking. This is where you this actually is some consume. Of our favorite part. Some well, theirs. I don't drink, actually, but our yeah. Kids right then you consume the actual drink and it goes around from person to person being um taken there with the valkyrie okay you hail the deities as you do so you actually drink the mead and then afterwards after that is the blessing and then the giving a way in which you give your thanks your blessings you you give up that and you actually do the sacrifice and then it's the closing, and then the assemble begins. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, it sounds like a lot, and the, all these pieces go in, 
in line, hallowing, procedure, reading, or it's not procedure, hallowing, reading, the call, the read, loading, drinking, uh, blessing, and giving, and closing. Right. And, it, you know, honestly, with, with all of that said, it, it's reading a lot of this stuff, but it only honestly takes 10 to 15 yeah. minutes at the most. And that's with, you know, everybody putting in there or whatever, because during our bloats, it's not just one person reading it. It's, right. You know, we, we try to include as many people as possible. Yeah. So, like we'll have different things that are read or different things that we think should be brought into the ceremony. And we'll say, okay, this person, can you read this? And can you read this? And can you read this? Or can you say something about this at this point? And having everybody involved makes a big difference. Yeah. Instead of having just one person up there or a few people up there, having a bunch of people together as to a sense of community right. and it feels less like a service where you're being told something and it's right. more of a community aspect it's more that kindred aspect i yeah. think and again your, your bloats don't have to be really extravagant they don't have to have all the great words and stuff they can just be simple as long as you're actually venerating and doing it and actually walking through it it'll become more and more for you get more used to it, be able to say more things and I mean, I can usually just pull a bloat off the top of my head and do one. It's not that hard to do if you know all the pieces that go in it. So with that said, when we come back, we're actually going to talk about how you prepare for a bloat yourself mentally and physically and um, go from there. So when we come back, we'll discuss that and I'll see you in a few moments. Joe here from the Modern Heathen Man. I was looking for some new stuff for my beard, and I was looking around, and I wanted something my wife would like as well. I was looking for a good product that didn't leave my beard feeling greasy, that nourished it and kept it moist, and had a good scent to it as well. Um, so in discussing with my wife, we tried a few different things, and I found this wonderful heathen place called Beast Curiosities. Now, they don't just offer beard oil. They have quite a few different products available through them. Um, you definitely want to go ahead and check them out at BeastCuriosities.com. But I specifically tried the beard oil. Um, I tried Hell's Respite. I tried Tears Loyalty. And I tried, give me one second, Yord's Wilderness. All of these were really great beard oils. They all had wonderful scents that lasted a long time and would stay with me throughout the whole day. They nourished my beard and kept it good. And they also made it that it felt nice and was good to smell. And other people around me liked it quite a bit. So when you actually get in their oils, they tried really hard to produce an oil that does what it says it's going to do while nourishing your beard as well. They tried a few products, so they got the great one together, and they call it their magical beard oil. I will tell you, it is magical. It smells great. Even after going to the pool with my wife for about three hours, my beard still smelled great and felt great. So, with that said, I'm going to tell you to go ahead and check them out. Again, they're not only beard oil, but Beast Curiosity is a place you want to go. BeastCuriosities.com. You can also email him and check out his products at Beast 
at bscuriosities.com. They have a Twitter account at bscuriosities, and you can also find them on Facebook at facebook.com slash bscuriosities. You definitely want to go out and get some of this if you have a beard. It is a wonderful product, something great to use. My wife and her friends all love this product quite a bit. So go ahead and get it if you get a chance, guys. It's a wonderful product. Thank you, guys, and have a great day. back and thank you for listening to those promos of different heathen businesses so let's talk a little about about preparing yourself um i'll talk a little about me preparing myself and i'll kelly talk about preparing herself or vice versa it doesn't matter to me which way it goes so what do you want to do you want to talk first or me no go ahead okay <laughs> so most of the time when i'm doing a ritual it's for everyone so i spend a lot of time a couple days before um, doing rune casts um, is the first thing to let me know what I need to know about the ritual. Um, so I'll seek the runes first. I'll read a little bit about um, the actual thing that we're celebrating and what it actually means. And then I'll meditate on that for a while. Um, but meditate, I mean, I'll sit and listen to some uh, music from like Warduna or something, the lighter stuff, the nice. You know, calm stuff, <laughs> listen to the drums in the background. Fawn you know. works well, too. Yeah, Fawn works well and things like that. So listen to that on uh, Pandora Radio and just, you know, sit back and relax and try to take a couple hours and really meditate on my kindred, my people, um, the things that need to come out, the actual celebration, the gods that we're focusing on, the venerate, and really take the time to just focus on that specifically for a few hours a day for about three days leading up to the actual um, celebration. So like we have one coming up uh, next week, which is Freyfaxi. So I'm going to begin um, contemplating harvesting and how the ancestors felt about harvesting. Go back and look at a few of my ancestors, read some runes, read a couple of um, stories about you know, harvesting and really delve into what it meant to harvest and to have, you know, grain to make bread and to have the things that were needed to put it up in the storehouse to understand what it was like for them to um, prepare for the great darkness and the great hunt that's coming. Um, the darth of the winter and the winter nights, the cold, the, the bitter cold, the hunger, the you know, whatever they're going through, to really understand that. And I'll focus in on those things that are going on. That's for a big ritual. For a smaller ritual, for like a house bloat or some of the things we do with the kids, I'll prepare by uh, first reading some of the have all with them, doing the prayer, talking about the God for the day, venerating them a bit, and then going into the bloat that we actually want to do, it's not very big, as you guys know. It's if you go back um, through the line here, you'll see the bloats for the days. Um, and then just focusing on that. Now, if there's something else going on, like if one of the people and the kindred is sick and I have to sacrifice the air or something like that with them, that's a little different. I'll focus on that person. I'll focus on what's needed for them. I'll do a rune reading, a rune casting for that specific thing. Okay. And then I'll go out and I'll actually sacrifice to 
that specific God for that person um, from here and ask them to, you know, attend to them and, you know, see them and I'm doing this for them. And that's basically what I do. So it's not very much preparation um, for the smaller rituals, but for the bigger ones, like when someone's sick or someone needs help, or if you're doing stuff for the, the actual kindred, it's a little bit longer preparation. Um, as far as meditating goes, it's really hard to explain meditation. Um, it, you, you have to relax and you have to focus on what you're doing and you have to let things go for a while and just forget about all the crap that's going around you. Just focus on the thing that you have that you need to focus on. Um, that's the best way I can explain meditation. I don't have to explain any better than that. You want your own little quiet place. You want music playing in the background that you want to hear. Um, a lot of times I meditate in nature because it's quiet and I don't have music, but there's natural music. There's and birds also singing and self-guided meditation. You yeah. Find yeah, there's that really good one. There's on a really, really good one on YouTube. It's a mm-hmm. Norse. North Cent- Centered Guided Meditation. Yeah. I can't recall what it's actually called right now. But that was a really good one. I, I sent it to a lot of people because everybody kept asking me the kindergarten. How do I how do I meditate? And that was a really good one. That's it, right. It is a really good one. I've used yeah. it a few times. Yep. I usually fall asleep so, when I use it a few times. Most people fall asleep when they're meditating because they let everything go and they're actually finally relaxed. Yeah. So and then the sleep catches up to them. So yeah. that's not always a bad thing. But so how do you prepare, Kelly? Um, for me, preparing comes uh, as soon as we kind of announce when we're going to do the next float. Um, so like we have Freyfaxi coming up, we're going to be doing it on the third. So as soon as we say, okay, we're going to be doing this one, it's going to be this day, it's going to be this place. My preparation comes in as soon as we do that. Um, I'm the one who usually makes the event announcement, invites everybody. Um, so that's my first preparation. And then I start thinking about what we're going to have um, food-wise because, you know, being the mother, I take care of everybody. So, honestly, I want to make sure that there's food for everybody, that it's prepared, that things are going according to plan. So, I kind of take care of all the logistics of it. The day of the actual – the day before or the day of the actual bloat, um, I'm usually the one cooking and preparing – at least one of the dishes for the bloat itself. Right, I usually prepare a dish as well. I usually do prepare a dish, but while I'm making the dish, I'm thinking about everybody getting nourishment from it, and I'm thinking about, you know, the love that I'm putting into it, or the spices, or the the, the things that I'm putting into it, and what how it relates to what we're celebrating. So I some. Somehow I always end up making a pasta salad. I don't know how that works out. But it's a pasta salad that kind of encompasses a lot of different elements for our kindred anyway. Um, It's got canned chicken in it. It's got um, pasta, um, mayo, peas, spices. But it's a... Everybody loves it. Great. For it's a simple reason. dish that everybody seems like. Okay. But I put myself into it. You know, it's a recipe that I came up with. I didn't find it anywhere. It's something I threw together one day, and my kids love it. And it's simple. It feeds everybody. It's 
fairly inexpensive to make. Mm -hmm. And I'm a little more extravagant. I make the big stuff, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, but this is something we usually end up having at every blow because it just it feeds everybody. Everybody's happy with it. Um, We'll also decide like this for Fryfaxi. We're probably going to make bread. Yeah, we always scratch. make bread from scratch and butter. And butter from scratch. So we teach somebody how to make butter from scratch, which actually does that really cool. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're like, that really turns into butter. Yeah, it really mm-hmm. does turn into butter. This really happens. And like, that is crazy. Yeah. But it's a skill that they'll, they'll be able to pass on, though, too. You know, making a small amount of butter. It's one ingredient. Yeah. It's yeah. one ingredient. It just takes time. But it teaches you that you have to have patience too. Mm-hmm. And not everything comes to you in an instant. You can't right. just go to the store and buy it sometimes. This is a way to make something. And it teaches the kids to make something. It gets the kids involved. So we like doing that. Um, but I think I do my preparation like that morning I'll take a shower and I'll do a ritual cleansing and stuff like that. And I'll mm-hmm. think about the day while I'm in the shower and washing the negativity away and trying to bring positivity through the water and the soap or shampoo or whatever I'm using that has some sort of connection maybe with that day or um, preparing the food. That's, that's my meditation thing. That's my, my thing is, is preparing the food and stuff like that. I'm not a public speaker. I don't like getting up in front of people. I don't like being the one giving the, doing the rituals for everybody because that's just not me. That is not me at all. You can ask her. The last time we did one, I was shaking the whole time. Right. It's funny. The only reason she does this is because it's pre-recorded. It's on a microphone <laughs> and on a screen in front of her. She never sees anybody. I never so. see anybody. So I'm comfortable being yeah. here. Even the first couple times we did this, I was like, no, no, no I don't want to do that. But I'm comfortable now. So I can actually talk to somebody. I can talk to Joe and be okay. Um, but... It's little, it's smaller things for me. It's not the big, huge, you know, meditation for hours and, and things like that. It's it's more the smaller things. I kind of get into a zone when I'm cooking something or making something for everybody. And don't disturb me when I'm in that zone. The kids know that. You know that. You don't disturb me when I'm in that zone of making things because this is my contribution. This is my sacrifice. This is my magic. This is what I do for everybody. Right. So I'll leave you guys with this. I want to say that, you know, preparation is great and just get in the right mind frame. Um, It doesn't have to be extravagant. We all have our own ways of preparing for different things. Um, Veneration is important. It doesn't really matter how you do it. It doesn't matter how you prepare the bloats that you're doing. Um, And it really doesn't matter, you know, to the things, just as long as you have the basic things there. Like I said, it's like that old nasty ashtray made of the clay with all the stamps in it, you know, those painted funky. They're going to like it. Right. They're, they're going to like that. Right. They're going to like it as the gods because you did it. You took the time. It was a sacrifice of your time and your effort and your energy and your energy is right. The other thing that I didn't add to all this is you need your actual sacrifice. It needs to be something worthwhile. It needs to be something worth something to you. Not just a $5 bottle of mead from the store. It needs to be worth something. It needs to mean something to you that you're giving it up. And it has to almost, I don't want to say this, but it has to almost hurt to give it up. Listen, one of the things you know. we've done, because we have a couple of people that can't have alcohol in our bloats. Right. So I found a recipe for what's called a soft meat, and it's basically just meat, 
or honey and water and some spices, Places, right? Apple juice or was it apple juice or lemon juice? Yeah. I think it was lemon juice, juice. yeah. That flavor, it gives you that sense of having something, and that could be a sacrifice too. Right, because it's time making it. Right, time making it. So, it's your effort putting into it and things like that. A sacrifice doesn't have to be a monetary sacrifice. Right, it has to be a sacrifice of your own giving. It doesn't have to be an animal sacrifice. No, it doesn't have to be. I mean, there are people that sacrifice animals, but that's up to that. Right. So, with that said, we're going to leave you today, but definitely try to make your own bloats. If you need help creating a bloat, let us know. You can yeah, email definitely. us at gmail.com, right on our Facebook or on our Twitter, all of the Modern Heat Demand, you can find them there. Um, but definitely, I mean, I don't mind helping you create a um, ceremony for yourself. Be yeah, family, large, whatever you want. Right? At all, we, we, can, we can definitely help you with that. I can send you some ideas and stuff. So I want to thank you all for joining me here at Modern Heat Demand. I want to say hail to you for learning to listen. Hail to Thor today on his day. Yes, hail Thor. Thor um, so I want to thank you all um, and tell you, you can do it. You can have your you own rituals. absolutely do it. Right, and prepare for them and get some friends together and begin your own little um, kindred. kindred. And, uh, yeah. So I want to thank you all for listening and tell you to have a great day.